creation and evolution. I love doctrinal, deep doctrinal discussions. However, from time to time, you do need to just kind of get back to basics. I've been wanting to preach a sermon like this for a long time, and it kind of came together. And so we're going to be talking about what I consider to be the basics. For me, when I need to just get back to the simplicity of the Word of God, I go back to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. We're going to be looking at this today. And I hope you really enjoy it. All right, Larry. It, uh, it, John 7 is where we begin, but uh, I need my slides, actually. So we will be jumping around a little bit in the Bible today, and but if you don't have one with you, I will also have the slides up here, and you'll be able to read it for yourself. And also, you know what, Bill? We might need to kill some of these lights so that the um, projector is easy to... Easier to see, or is that, or is that the best? What, what, whatever you feel is good. Thank you, sir. All righty. Well, I'll never forget as a young man. Um, I I felt that God, the Bible, and Jesus, Jesus Christ were so difficult to understand. It's boring and. But yet I was given a Bible at a young age, and I cracked it open a few times, and I was surprised, really, at how easy the Bible is to read, and I loved the things that Jesus said as a young man. I would chuckle, I'd be in my bedroom reading the Bible, and I would chuckle, and I would say, He's, Jesus is cool. I really did. And uh, so we are going to look at this today. We're going to look at the words of Jesus. Here, let me just whet your appetite a little bit. <clears throat> Come on, baby. Come on. It's the laptop. It's not the user. Hold on. From here. And Oh. There we go. All right. Now, uh, like I said, if you want to flip in your Bibles, you can, but I'll also have the verses for you. Thank you. Thank you. So the folks in Zoom will be able to see it. I'd also like to, uh, if you're visiting today, just welcome you. We're glad you're here. And I also want to welcome my Mom and Dad, Mike and Barb Antos, who are Zooming in today. Thank you for listening to your favorite preacher, Mom and Dad. Oh, no, I did it again. Okay, so I'm trying to pretend like I know what to do, and I don't. Is it something I'm doing? Uh, I'm just going to get this pen out of here. You know, you would think the preacher would have his sermon memorized but it just doesn't. <laughs> it's a little difficult. 
Thank you so much. All right, in Mark chapter 1, it says that Jesus entered into the synagogue and taught, and the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not just as the usual scribes. You know, I looked up the word astonished, and it means what I thought it means, you know, bewildered, stunned, confounded, just at the words of Jesus. Elsewhere in John chapter 7, it says, So there was a division among the people because of Jesus, and some of them would have taken him and done harm. But as it turns out, no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers, this would be like the military and the police, to the chief priests. Oh, me, oh, my. Came to the chief priests and the Pharisees. So state and religion. And they wanted to do something about this Jesus. And they came to them and they said, why have you not brought him in? This is in John 7. And the officers answered, oh, we couldn't find him. No, that is not what they said. They found him. But they listened to Jesus speak. And they said, we didn't bring him back because no man ever spake like this man. Now, that is really something. And as a young man reading this in the Bible, I thought, this is really something. I never knew Jesus was like this. Um, here's another occasion, and I really like this. So here are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. This is the religious establishment. They tried to trick him. Okay? It says they... They went to him and they said unto him, Master, they're pretending like they respect him. Master, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or we shall not give? Basically, should we pay taxes or not? Okay. In chess, that's called a fork. In chess, you got the other guy whether he chooses A or B. That's what they're doing here. They're trying to fork him. They're giving him a no-win scenario. You choose bad or worse. Because if he says, don't pay taxes, now he's in trouble with Caesar. If Jesus says, do pay taxes, now the people won't listen to him anymore. Very clever. But Jesus knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you tempt me? Give me a penny. Give me a coin. Whose likeness is an inscription is on it? Well, they all know it's Caesar's, but he wanted them to answer the question. They said Caesar's. And Jesus answering their question said unto them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Wow. Now, we all know that Jesus said that. We learned this in Sunday school. But have you ever taken a minute to think about that? I, I see that like if someone came up to me 
and handed me a piece of rope. And they said, here, hold that for a minute. And someone else hands me another piece of rope, and I'm standing there holding two pieces of rope. And I look, and this rope is connected to the back bumper of a car that's running. And this rope is connected to another back bumper of a car that's running. I start thinking, wait a minute, this isn't good. <laughs> these cars are going to take off, and I'm holding these two ropes, right? In this scenario, they did something like that to him. And you know what he did? If I can just put Jesus in my two-rope scenario, he just tied a knot and dropped it. It is like is a bomb, and he took a pair of clippers and snipped one wire and diffused an entire bomb. It's beyond genius. It's beyond the man, the, the man, mankind could not respond this way. He must be the son of God. His answer as a young man, I said, that is so cool. Then notice, and they marveled at him. Astonishment, marveling. The title of my sermon today is Never Man Spake Like This Man. The text is there in John chapter 7. Never man spake like this man. The Lord Jesus Christ compels three understandings. He compels these. He walked this earth and he said things that were astonishing. And he compelled these three understandings. And really, I might do a part two to this sermon. We must receive and regard these three understandings. What are these three? First, there is the understanding of his kingdom. He compels us to understand his kingdom. And we must do that. And we must regard it. Second, he compels us to understand our condition. And third, he compels us to understand our decisions. So let's look at his kingdom first. First of all, he is the creator. He makes it very clear, and so does the Bible. Yes, he is just a man on this earth. Jesus was a man, but he was the one and only God-man. Fully God, fully man. They would look at him and they would say, but you're dirty, you're poor, you don't have any clout. And you want us to think that, you want us to believe that you created everything? At one point, the religious establishment came to Jesus and they said, who, who do you think you are here? You, you, you're walking around preaching and you haven't been to the, to the schools. You don't have a degree. You haven't been educated in the proper channels. They said, look, we are of our father Abraham's lineage. We are of the Jewish line. We don't know who you are. And Jesus said, well, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and wasn't glad. And they said, you aren't even 50 years old yet. And you, and you know Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
before Abraham was, I am. Do you know what that means? Here, let's take a look at our history of the world timeline, okay? Here we are in 2020. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the earth. About 1,500 years before that, Moses lived. And about another 500 years before that, Abraham lived. They're saying, well, we're from Abraham's line. We don't know who you are. Jesus said, did Jesus say, before Moses was, I was? No. He said something so astonishing. Let's, let's look at Moses a little bit more here. Moses, before the burning bush. I had to take the clip from Ten Commandments. That's Charlton Heston. Moses, before the burning bush. The Bible says, Moses said unto God, when I go unto the children of Israel to rescue them from their bondage of the Egyptians, if they should say to me, what is God's name? What should I say unto them? He's God. He, he didn't say any name. He appeared in a burning bush. God's answer is this. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am you can't put a name on me. I'm eternal. I am forever. I am all-knowing. You can't pin a name on me. So therefore, go unto the children of Israel and say, I am has sent you. As a young man, I read that, and I said, that is so cool. That is an unbelievable response. I don't, I don't care who you are. You could not have made this up. The Bible must be true. And it had to be authored by God. So this is Moses now. God tells Moses, I am. We got a problem. Well, at least those Jews in Jesus' day have a problem because Jesus says before Abraham was, before God told Moses, I am, before that, I am. And they took up stones to kill him. So that is a big issue with those Jews. Then they took up stones to kill him. They had the religious right to stone anyone for blasphemy. And in their eyes, he just blasphemed. Wow. Either he's a blasphemer or he's who he claims to be. The great I am. So not only is he our creator, he also tells us that he is our judge. If he's the creator, he has the right to judge his creation. There in John 8, he says, yet if I judge, my judgment is true. 
You can't say I'm not judge because I'm not alone in this. I and the Father are in this together. And then in verse 24, he says, For if you believe that I am not the I am, you shall die in your sins and I will judge you. You must believe in me. This is incredible. So, he's giving us this understanding of his kingdom. He's saying, you you have to understand, first of all, I am the creator. And one day I'm going to judge my creation. And that means you. And then he takes a turn, a more, a calmer turn, a kinder turn. And he says, but don't worry, because I'm also the Savior. I'm your Savior, and I have come here to save you from your sins. Doubting Thomas in John 14 said unto him, Lord, we don't even know the way to go. How, how, help us with this. And Jesus' reply is, Thomas, there isn't some road that you follow. There isn't a list of do's and don'ts that you follow. It's in me, personally. I am the way. I am truth. Me. And I am life. And no man can come unto the Father but through me, Thomas. I'm the Savior. On another occasion in John chapter 6, the people were so upset with Jesus, they all left except for the 12. It's interesting, Jesus does not run after them and say, wait, wait, come back. You just misunderstood me. Come back, come back. We'll straighten this thing out. He allowed the non-believers to leave. He's not going to make anyone believe. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you go away also? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He is the Savior. And he is also our friend. John 15, 15. This is my oldest brother's favorite verse in the whole Bible. Jesus said, henceforth, from here on, I do not call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know what the Lord is doing. But now I call you friends. There is no religion on the face of this earth where the central figure of that religion calls the subjects friends. Muhammad, now. Buddha, now. Confucius, now. Only the one true God. He became a man and came to this earth and walked amongst his creation. And humbled himself, it says, and took up the form of a servant, a servant. So he makes very clear his kingdom. We must understand this. Yes, it's a bitter pill to swallow. He is creator and he is judge. But then he adds honey, sweet honey to it. He's the savior. He will save us. 
He is our friend, and we can count on him. Have you ever heard of the TV show Undercover Boss? It's been on, it's been on TV for a while. What they do is they take a CEO of a company, and they disguise them. They give them a latex mask, put, change their hair, and the CEO leaves the ivory tower of the company and essentially goes down to the mailroom, right, and mingles with the other workers. And they don't know that this is the CEO. And he'll get to know the people and find out what their gripes and complaints are. What's, what's right with our company? What's wrong with our company? All the while maintaining this incognito thing. And uh, I wish Greg was here today because there was an episode where the, the CEO of White Castle, Greg loves White Castles, and uh, I think he had a beard and he had darker hair, so he changed his hair color and shaved his beard and and he, and he mingled with the workers, and he couldn't even do the job. <clears throat> All he had to do was put the cheese on these burgers, and the conveyor belt, you know, it was like uh, L- uh, Lucille Ball in the chocolate factory. The conveyor belt is going, and he's trying to put the cheese, in. it's just cheese on a hamburger, but he couldn't do it, because these people put their heart and soul into this thing. And they have passion for the business. And they learned how to do it. And he, he couldn't learn it in a day. And it's interesting to see this. Well, I was thinking uh, not long ago, I was watching an, an older episode, and I was thinking, you know, in a funny kind of way, this is what God did. Kind of an undercover boss. He left his glory in heaven, he came down to earth, and he mingled among us. He took upon the form of a man. He was dirty. He was sweaty. And men could not see that he was the creator. And he mingled among us. And he was tempted like we are, the Bible says, yet without sin. And then he went to the cross and he paid the debt we deserve to pay on our behalf. So we really need to understand his kingdom. And he makes it clear through simple words. He spoke like no one else. So we need to understand his kingdom. Then we need to understand our condition. Our condition. And what is that? We are lost. No one wants to hear that they're a sinner. No one wants to hear that they are lost. But it is true. And Jesus, very, in a very dignified way, made comparisons for us so that we could see this. Look at what he said. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he were to lose one out of a hundred, would not leave the ninety-nine defenseless, and go after in the wilderness to find the one that is lost until he finds it. Well, a child can see that we're we're the lost sheep here in his metaphor. We're the one that's lost. And he has left the flock, the fold, to come and look for us. 
he is not passive in this thing. He is active. Why is that? Because he loves us dearly. And then he, in the next verse, he compares us to a lost coin. What woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she were to lose one piece, does not then go through all this effort to find it? She lights a candle. She goes around, sweeps the house, looking under the furniture, and seeks diligently until she finds it. And this is what Jesus has done. He has sought us diligently. He's left, you know, the other sheep that are safe. Now he's risking their harm to find us. So, yes, we are lost, but that's not the end of it. We are loved. We are loved. We don't know how much he loves us. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? I looked it up. In today's money, a farthing would be about a half a penny. So back then, you could get four sparrows for a penny. And people would cook them up and eat them. It was cheap food. It's like Taco Bell. And not one of them shall fall to the ground without your father knowing it. God is eternal. He knows everything. It's hard for us to imagine. It's hard for us to understand that. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Oh, I can count my teeth, you know. I can do that, but I, I can't count the number of hairs on my head. Elsewhere, the Bible says that God knows the number of the stars in the sky. Even with the latest telescopes, the stars just keep going and going and going. It, literally innumerable. The Bible says God knows the number of grains of sand at the seashore. How many seashores are there? We can't even count that much less each grain of sand. And what about the grains of sand beneath the water? But he is omniscient. He knows everything. And he loves us. If, a, if he knows a sparrow falls to the ground dead, Fear ye not, therefore, you are of much more value than many sparrows. We are loved intensely. And we are redeemed. We are redeemed. This is our condition. We are lost, we are loved, but we are redeemed. John 3, we know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son never to be given again, that whosoever believes in him, not whosoever does so many good things that earn their way in. No, he did it. And if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me ask you a question. How long is everlasting? It's forever. It's forever. God does not deal in maybes, and he doesn't deal in partials. 
when he gives everlasting life, he gives it. Mark 10 says, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. He would have every right to sit in the throne and we bring him fruit and, and gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh and, and to worship him. He would have every right. But when he came 2,000 years ago, he did not come to be ministered unto. What did he come to do? But to minister and to give his life a ransom for who, whomsoever shall believe. We are redeemed. This is our condition. We must understand and regard our condition. <clears throat> now back in the 80s, Shirley MacLaine is an actress and a big new ager. She believes in reincarnation. She believes in all this stuff. She made a movie. She wrote a book, and then she made a movie about the book. And in the movie, don't waste your time. It's a bad movie. But in the movie, she's on a beach with a friend. And she's talking about all her problems. And her friend says, oh, you just don't understand. You don't understand. See, you need to realize that you are God. She says, oh, okay. He says, yeah, you, you just don't understand. Here, here, stand up. Stand up, spread your arms out, and yell it to the ocean. So she kind of takes the shape of the cross, don't you think? And she yells to the ocean, I am God. He goes, oh, come on, you can do better than that, a little louder. I am God. And she's yelling to the ocean, God. It's really pathetic, okay? You know, I got a question for Shirley McLean. If you are God, why stand on the safety of dry ground and yell to the water that you are God? Why don't you just walk out there? That's what Jesus would do. Jesus is God. It's pretty ridiculous. We have to understand our condition. We are powerless in this world. He is God and we are not. And we are lost. But we're loved. And he's taken care of it. We're redeemed. So not only do we have to understand his kingdom and our condition, then we have to understand our decisions. He, he leaves these facts with us, and then we have to do something with it. Our decisions. Well, we can decide to be ice-cold atheists. We can say, he's not there. I'm not happy, and I don't feel that there's a God answering my prayers. And we can be ice-cold towards him. I work at General Motors. I meet... People like this a lot. The last couple of years we worked from home, but spent 30 years at General Motors, and people would come to me and, and not too sincerely ask me questions about God and the Bible, and I'd try to answer, and they would be ice cold about it. 
Look at what Jesus said. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, the multitudes. That's Matthew 13, 34. If we back up, uh-oh. If we back up to verse 10, the disciples asked him about this. They came to him and said unto him, why do you speak unto them in parables? So now this is the disciples who believe in him, but when Jesus speaks unto the multitudes, he speaks unto them in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. Jesus answers and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Why? Because they don't believe yet. He's still working on them, okay? Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because seeing, they see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. So Jesus' words, he is God. He speaks cryptically. Satan could never do this. No false God could ever do this. Only the one true God could speak in such a way that only the believers in him can understand it. The unbelievers can't make sense of it. And, and that is because if they could understand it, then they could get into heaven without believing on Jesus. It's so cool. It is great. So we could decide to be ice-cold atheists, and he is not going to make us believe. He will speak unto the multitudes in parables, and if you don't believe, you're going to miss the whole thing. You're going to think you are so clever and so intelligent. I knew professors at Wayne State with two PhDs. They just thought they knew everything. But when I witnessed unto them from the Bible, they thought it was nonsense. It is not nonsense. So we could be ice-cold atheists or we could be lukewarm agnostics. Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said to the Laodicean church, so because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He says, you, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven cold, and you cannot enter lukewarm. And that's what I tried to do for many, many years as a young man. I, I just wanted to play the middle road. I just wanted to be lukewarm. I didn't want to be fully committed, but I didn't want to be one of the baddies either. I just wanted to play the middle road, be lukewarm. Until I read that. And I said, I, I have to be hot for God. I've got to be on fire for him. We can decide to be on fire believers. Now, Jesus did not say this, but this is the account of the two on the road to Emmaus. And it says, behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus. 
And it came to pass while they were communed together and they were reasoning with one another about the crucifixion. Jesus himself drew near. They didn't know it was him. And he walked with them. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. How would you like to have a Bible study with the Lord? Isn't that cool? And later, after he left, they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened the scriptures? Because Jesus and his crucifixion and all of the events that had happened was the only thing on their minds. They didn't care about their 401k. They didn't care about their car and their house and their property and stuff. Stuff. They cared about him. Decisions, decisions, making a decision, any decision is like coming to a fork in the road. You need to choose quickly and wisely. Let's talk about decisions. There are good decisions and there are bad decisions. Let's talk about a poor decision. This guy, Qin Shi Hangdi, was the first emperor of China. He lived long, 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 long time ago about 225 B.C. He was the first ruler to unify China's kingdom into a single empire. He wanted to live forever and pursued an elixir of eternal life. He wanted to create some kind of a drink or something that would help someone live forever. To create the elixir of eternal life, he sought the advice of everyone he knew. Philosophers, alchemists, doctors, but also opportunists, sketchy characters, and outright charlatans. One of the charlatans gave him some pills, which he claimed were life-prolonging. But in reality, they were mercury pills, which finished the emperor off in only a few days. While attempting to live forever, he made a poor decision and caused his early death. Let's talk good decisions. Wise decision. The man whose hunch saved mankind. It sounds like a pretty big claim, doesn't it? In September of 83, I was just out of high school. I never knew this. Soviet early warning systems began warning that several American missiles were heading for the Soviet Union. Stanislav Petrov was the duty officer in charge, and his job was to immediately alert Soviet leadership to launch their retaliatory missiles against the U.S. As he described in an interview years later, I had all of the information to tell me that there was an ongoing missile attack. The sirens howled, the lights flashed, but I just sat there for a few seconds staring at the big red screen with the word launch on it. A minute later, a siren sounded again. 
Apparently a second American missile was launched, then a third, then a fourth, then a fifth. But Petrov trusted his instincts and the radar operators who sat there and told him they're registering no missiles on the radars. He dismissed the alert as a false alarm and reported a systems malfunction to the Soviet military. If he was wrong in that, the USSR would be gone within minutes. But he was correct, and he saved both countries and perhaps the world. You know, we have, mankind has the power to destroy all life on planet Earth. He made a wise decision. It could have been this. I learned how to add GIFs to a PowerPoint, so I just thought I'd throw these in there. <coughs> okay? Our decisions. We can decide to be ice-cold atheists, lukewarm agnostics. Jesus will not make us believe but we must decide to be on-fire believers. So his kingdom, he makes it very clear, he is creator and judge, but he is also savior and friend. Our condition, we are lost, but we are loved and redeemed. And then our decisions, I just said it, we can choose the wrong things but it would be detrimental. We could choose the right things and be loved and live eternity, eternally with him in heaven. So the Lord Jesus Christ compels these three understandings. We must receive and regard them. I'll leave you with one last verse and we'll end a couple of minutes early. It's the last verse in the book of John. I always get choked up. There are also many other things that Jesus did and said. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself wouldn't be able to contain the books that be written. Let's close in prayer. Father, we think of your son and, and what he did for us. The love that he showed the obedience unto the cross. We think of your word, which it, it is our compass. It keeps us straight. And it shows us his identity. It shows us our condition and the decisions that we have to make. We thank you so much for your gifts to us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts and Help us to continue in your word and desire to grow and mature as believers. Please, please help each of us and meet us where we have our own shortcomings. And then please give us safety as we drive home today. Allow us to rest and relax with our families. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.